Okay. Let's get into it. <laughs> you guys ready to party? <laughs> Hell yes, we're ready to party. Ready to party because it's your chapo for the week. Uh, it's me, Will Meneker, joined by Felix Biederman. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Bang Bus. <laughs> Matthew Chrisman. Hi, folks. Virgil, Texas. Hey, always a pleasure. And special guest joining us this week for a uh, very special topical episode is our friend Tim Faust. Howdy, y'all. How y'all doing? Doing good. Tim and his amazing radio voice, which yeah. will put us all to shame. Uh, and me, me and Matt have great radio voices. We come from the, you know, the part of the country that has the best voices, the most pleasurable ones. We have ASMR voices. I mean, I, uh, I went to uh, high school like 30 miles from Matt, so I agree. Uh, I'd have a little yeah, loop. What the fuck is the deal here where you get this nice, sonorous, pleasant, <laughs> uh, kind of neutral radio voice, and I just sound like a honking duck well, having <laughs> How did that fucking happen? I do have the most annoying laugh of anybody in this room, so I'm sure I'll... <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, 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 I like, yeah, I like yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. You're yeah. Gar. My, my, <laughs> I sound like fucking goofy. Yeah. <laughs> my real laugh is the Jadakiss laugh. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, well, yeah, I, yeah, yeah. I, that's great. I get the sound at all times, like I'm calling in about the Packers secondary. Hey, <laughs> <laughs> uh, hey, uh, long time, first time. Just want to talk about how you know if we had a real lunch pal guy like Clay Matthews, we could keep the Turk out of Vienna. <laughs> you may know Tim Faust as at Krulge on Twitter. You may know him from his series of unlicensed wrestling events, Party World Wrestling. I down do in run, Texas. or do you want to wrestling? league in texas you may know him from the time he went to a bar and played the song the boys are back in town over and over again until people <laughs> broke out into fist fighting it's and you song. may know him as helping to popularize a series of t-shirts based on the meme ted cruz is a zodiac killer that the is zodiac killer. the zodiac killer that are that is has really um really met its expiration date <laughs> <laughs> to be yep. fair though to be fair most people, when they beat memes into the ground, they raise $52,000 a month for them and their friends. <laughs> but Tim rose six figures for Planned Parenthood and uh, um, reproductive rights in West Texas. It's a, it's a little group called the West Fund, which is based in El Paso, which provides uh, transit and services for folks in Texas who need abortions but live super far from clinics. And today, the Tim Fawcett's here is... Healthcare wonk Tim Faust. That's right. I'm going to get my uh, my most Matt Iglesias possible. Let's talk about policy. Let's talk about means testing. Let's talk about CPTs and DRGs, ICD-10, ICD-9. I got it all. Uh, if there's a form, a flowchart, I'm here to talk about it. I'm really looking forward to really delving into the real wonky policy material. That's what we all love. I'll, I'll start us off. Uh, Tim, when I first moved to New York, I interviewed to work in a part-time position at Oscar Health Insurance, but did not get it. Why? <laughs> they were frightened. By <laughs> I uh, I did. I looked into your file, and they were uh, just the. They were frightened by your compelling male virility, uh, and I, really I also the saw the file, and it said um, answers were okay. Presentation. Probably should have buttoned the top three buttons of his shirt. Didn't make eye contact the entire time. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, but if uh, somebody wore a burqa in, that's fine. But if I wear something from my fucking culture, I'll get the fucking job. And I have to write a fake pundit to pay my rent. Yep. Now I have to be in media because they didn't hire me. 
<laughs> so, so Tim, talking about our unwieldy, sprawling healthcare system, you wanted to start at the beginning, yeah. uh, which is... Let's go to ancient Greece, ancient where Greece. Asclepius, son of Apollo. It was Just, called Pedesticare, where they would bring in the boys. Before we go down that path again, I, I mentioned this on our last show that you know we were going to do uh, uh, a show about healthcare policy because like healthcare, it, it's a huge issue right now in our politics, and it's a huge issue in people's life because the American healthcare system, as currently constituted, it seems could not be more cruel, expensive, and inefficient. That if you like designed it that way, and I would contend that it is designed that way on purpose. But we but we wanted to get into like the actual, like you said, the weeds into the weeds, as they say on Vox's syndicated podcast uh, about like what is healthcare policy and like how does it work, um, and how could it work better, and who are some of the people preventing us from having something better than this disaster that we already have. Cool. Yeah. So we can start. Uh, uh, there's a there's a whole lot to go on on that. Kind of uh, the top line is American healthcare is like internationally humiliating. Uh, literally, the the following twenty countries by GDP have a better healthcare program than us. Uh, South Africa has a huge problem where they don't give healthcare to black citizens, and still, like their overall uh, healthcare affo- or like affordability accessibility is better than the U.S.'s. That is well, actually the Bernie plan. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But actually, I, but really specifically though, like this is something that we we hear a lot. When, like, specifically, um, the American healthcare system is compared to other countries, right? What does it mean when we, you say like our healthcare system is a shambles compared to those other twenty countries? Like, and how how is this graded, and like, in what ways is it worse or an embarrassment on a national uh, global scale? Uh, so, I, I, I actually I found this uh, this this paper by this guy Luca Lorenzoni who works at the OECD uh, that compares costs of a given service from country to country. I think in this case, the cost he's comparing is a knee replacement, which is a good metric because knee, knee replacements are pretty standardized, right? Like knees don't really differ from person to person. Knees aren't culturally relative. They're not, they're not like cranial sizes. Exactly. Uh, <laughs> I mean, some races do have an extra bone in their knee that makes them better at certain things, but mostly, yeah. you know. For, for the most part, if you can do a knee surgery, a knee replacement, you can do a knee replacement. It's, it's a good standard unit. Um, and so the uh, Luca put together a chart that compares both the relative purchasing power of a given country uh, and the relative cost of this given uh, knee replacement. And in the U.S., um, across this swath of 10 countries that, uh, that, that he compared it to, he said that the CPI index was 1, um, but the knee replacement surgery was 1.63, and that uh, a knee replacement costs 1.63x the median. Compare that to Korea where knee replacement costs 0.57 uh, of, of the median of the entire world, right? And it's not a function of, 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 of um, American healthcare being better or hospitals is being more efficient. In fact, actually, actually the opposite. Um, we're spending just a shit ton of money on really basic procedures, limiting the number of folks that can get them, um, and screwing over the American citizen in the process. Baller! We fucking did it, baby. Yeah. We're number one. Baller. It's me, me in the hospital just spraying interferon, everyone. My money real good right now. It's tax season. My money good right here. Come fuck with me. Just like squeezing an IV bag. My money real good, cuz. <laughs> I hope people know that reference. I mean, you, you compare that to, I don't know, it's like, what's a fucking country I don't care about? Finland. Uh, Finland. Well, I care about Finland. I've never been to Finland. I'll never go to Finland. They seem like nice people there are in general things in finland are more it doesn't expensive exist than things in the u.s but their knee replacements cost two-thirds the cost of american knee replacements okay so the aca that's the law of the land now 
but generally like it's pretty new right yes so i want to i want to like talk about like what was like the how did healthcare or access to healthcare is what we really mean mm-hmm. as dictated by health insurance right how did that work prior to the ACA? Cool. So health insurance is a relatively new invention. It came about during World War II. During World War II, usually if you wanted health care, like everything was very regionalized, right? You didn't travel to get health care. You had a local doctor. You had a local hospital chain. Uh, things were much smaller and much cheaper. During World War II, there was a wage freeze, right? You couldn't pay people more money. There was a, a wage control during World War II. And so the idea of, well, let's give people supplementary benefits that aren't considered wa- uh, taxable income as a way to incentivize people to come work for us or increase salary, net salary or whatever uh, was introduced. And so the... The bright shining sign of this model was the idea of providing employer-sponsored health insurance, which was that everybody who worked for the same employer, group of employers, would compose one risk pool. A risk pool uh, is that everybody pools their money in, and when someone needs health care, they take money out and it's paid for, and the employer negotiates rates with a hospital saying, here's how much different things cost, uh, and that's kind of the model that has grown for the past 50 years. I think at this point, 49%, so basically half um, of all non-elderly Americans have their insurance through so an employer. So for the first time in World War II... I'm a factory worker at the atom bomb uh, dispensary. Right. I'm building atom bombs at, in the Ford factory in Detroit. Formerly a racism factory, <laughs> which was converted. It's been converted uh. by the Manhattan Project into making atom bombs. For the first time ever, I can get something called health insurance through my employer, so I can go to any number of doctors and get my prescription cigarettes, uh, Pall Malls, uh, weekly instead of uh, just going to the local doctor right. slash barber. And th- I mean, this idea of the risk pool, exactly what we, we should talk about that. Uh, it's not too wonky. Uh, it's really kind of the, the underlying idea of how healthcare works in countries, right? Like in a pool of however many people, um, some folks are super sick and most folks are not sick at all and some folks are in the middle. Uh, I think in the U.S., uh, 10% of people represent 70% of all medical costs. And there's some strata that are obvious, like in general, people with cancer are more expensive than people without. People who are elderly... Well, I mean, they shouldn't have it. <laughs> right. It's, uh, uh, it's uh, God has given them cancer as a way for paying them back for a sin they committed in this or the next life. So you're um, saying if we liquidate these 10 percenters, then the prices will be down for everyone. Yeah, that's a great idea. That's uh, that's one possible model. One might suggest that's kind of a the direction that uh, uh, Paul Ryan's plan is taking us in. Um, but uh, fundamentally, you've got a giant pool of people, and you've got a normal cost curve, and some folks are super expensive, and they're in fact, I mean, they're they're paid for by the folks who aren't very sick. You pay in now, later you get yours. Uh, uh, people who aren't very sick don't cost very much now, so the re- the, the return is minimal. Well, that's kind of the way that the idea of a risk pool works now. Uh, this thing is kind of like that's a general concept that's pretty universal, right? Uh, uh, whether it's individuals paying in or whether it's this the government paying in or whatever, like you, that's just how people are. People are apportioned, and sickness spreads through a, a, a given community. Now, what you've got is you've got in, in in America, you've got this particular perversion that has kind of manifested over the past fifty years, where health insurance is not like a thing you just need to have, or healthcare is not just a thing you are owed by being a person, but it is in fact a, a manifestation of personal responsibility. You have an obligation to buy insurance because that's how you uh, guarantee that you'll be that you know you'll take care of of, of yourself down the road. You've kind of got this uh, uh, um, idea that people, I'll say the same thing again, you have this idea that people have an obligation to pay in to buy this consumer good um, uh, as, a, as, as kind of a, a moral virtue. It, it, like it's not moral just, to buy insurance. It, it's, it's moral because uh, like to, to buy a consumer good like health insurance, 
both to take care of yourself down the line, mm-hmm. right? Like you're giving up a certain percentage of what would otherwise be disposable income because you know that in a future or some you know tragedy or accident may befall you, then you'll really need it. But isn't it also, it's moral because you are covering other people in that if you didn't have health insurance and you like went to an emergency room, other people would have to pay for exactly. it, correct? Exactly. You don't want to be a, a moocher. Yeah, you don't want to exactly. be a leech. Uh, and so, I mean, that's uh, that's how America got its foray into health insurance. There have been uh, uh, national plans before. I know there was something in the German, Germany in the 1890s. Most uh, uh, modern, contemporary first world nations built their plans after World War II. Uh, there are still countries now that are developing universal health care. Turkey and... Uh, Chile uh, put together pretty ambitious universal coverage plans in the past couple of years, so it's still an ongoing process. But America did it first, and we've done it absolutely the worst of anybody ever to do it. Um, so after World War II, you kind of unfroze wages. People began getting health care, and the idea of uh, uh, employer-sponsored health care became a stronger and stronger draw. Uh, fundamentally, it's a way to kind of depress wages, but also like you found companies that began to specialize in providing these plans. And insurance companies have fundamentally one job, and it's to handle all the fucking paper paperwork between you and a hospital, uh, of which there is an entire sub-industry. Uh, and so these insurance companies kind of began proliferating. Uh, 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 they're all regionalized. Blue Cross Blue Shield, which is a subsidiary of Anthem, is actually like 50 companies. Uh, they're big umbrella organizations. And they're all predicated upon relationships that individual insurers have with hospitals or provider groups or whatever. You're, you're describing how after World War II, America developed its healthcare system in, in a way that was a sort of an aberration from what the rest of the developed world was doing at the same time, right. which was based more on this insurance-based sort of empl- employer-provided insurance-based that was kind of a consumer model mm-hmm. where healthcare was a consumer good that was bought by an individual as kind of like a moral and social good. Right. And if you're not getting your health insurance through Medicare or Medicaid or from your employer, how often before Obamacare would someone... Just a private citizen buy their own insurance. Uh, there was an individual market, but there was little to no regulation around it. So you could go fucking buck wild if you were an insurer and impose a bunch of arbitrary restrictions about about who got to buy it or uh, the entire idea of pre existing conditions. Uh, uh, so there's two things I, I, I want to get through. Um, so eventually, at some point. The history of, uh, of, of healthcare in America is a history of creating markets that people can buy health insurance as if it's a commodity and as if people are consumers as opposed to people with, people with bodies and needs. So the Medicare, and, Meta, uh, the Medicare and, and, and Medicaid was passed as a way of kind of taking the people who were most vulnerable, the poor and the elderly, out of the risk pool so that insurers could um, afford to pay for the healthcare of the people who were left, um, the employed, the... These are great society programs yeah, great society in the John- programs. Johnson administration. Uh, so... Uh, for the 10 or 15 years after World War II, insurers began to notice a couple of things. People who were, uh, uh, people who were old uh, cost more money to insure, right? It costs more money to pay for their hospital visits, and those bills then get passed on to people then then pay the premiums after the insurance companies take their cuts. So overall costs go up. And people who are poor just go right to the ER uh, because they don't have insurance, and that costs a bunch of money because hospitals are way more expensive than going to a primary care doctor or getting preventative care or that kind of shit. And by federal law, hospital emergency rooms cannot turn people away for lack of ability to pay. I think that's yeah, diff- which is why we don't need medical fucking universal health care because everybody can go to the emergency room. I mean, that's the I mean, Boom, done. 
that's that's what happens, right? If someone doesn't have yeah. like uh, healthcare, they just go to the ER when like their foot's falling off from gangrene, and that costs fucking like a uh, ovarian cancer. Stage zero ovarian cancer costs twelve thousand bucks to treat. Stage six ovarian, stage five ovarian cancer costs like fucking a quarter mil. Um, and when no one has insurance or access to healthcare, they wait until stage five. They go in fucking bankrupts. Uh, whoever's whoever, whoever's footing the bill. That's why you should get cancer screening at. The ER. <laughs> like, be a responsible adult and go to the ER for cancer. Go to the or, or have you heard of a little thing called juicing? <laughs> Not have the problem in the first place? I mean, if just, just go to the bodybuilding forums and get all your health care yeah. advice from there. Anyway, so uh, these people, these portions of the population who are most vulnerable, most in need, also the most expensive, were kind of clogging the whole system. So uh, uh, 65 Social Security Acts passed, which created both Medicare and Medicaid. Medicare, they're a little bit different. Uh, they're both super good. Medicare is a federally run program which ensures everybody over a certain age threshold. Uh, it has currently 44 million people enrolled in it. Uh, everybody gets it. It's pretty fucking good. It's also the largest individual payer uh, of insurance or healthcare costs in the entire U.S. And, and costs it, are pretty, premiums are pretty low for Medicare. Well, it's free. You just walk in and you get it. Sorry, for, premiums are what the are what the consumer pays for, uh, for uh, Medicare. Yes, uh, 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 you don't pay anything to get Medicare. You just get Medicare. Really? I heard. I thought there were premiums for Medicare. There's a thing called Medicare Advantage, which is a supplement supplementary program for if you have like a really really expensive treatment, you can buy additional insurance on top of it. I see. Uh, but in general, you just fucking walk in. And you say, "I'm 65. I get Medicare. You get Medicare. Pretty easy." Um, it's the largest single payer in the U.S. It's got 44 million people. All costs in the entire U.S. are derived from Medicare prices uh, across the board. Everything's a function of we'll pay you X percent of Medicare. Uh, of Medicare. We'll get into that uh, in a second. Then you get Medicaid. Medicaid's run on a state-by-state -state level. Uh, the federal government provides some portion of the money. The state provides the rest, uh, and it covers people... Um, below some percentage of the poverty line. Until the ACA, the state got to set rules on who was eligible for Medicaid. So, for example, in Texas, you had to be not able-bodied, uh, you had to be making below the poverty line, um, or you had to be like pregnant. Like uh, uh, To qualify for Medicaid, you need to be pregnant or blind or physically disabled and poor at the same time, and then you get Medicaid. Already the most advantaged people in society. <laughs> right. Um, they're allowed to tweet whatever they want, and yeah. no one else them. No one ever calls them out, yeah. and they get free healthcare. <laughs> um, uh, so, I mean, the states were able to put restrictions uh, on, on that access kind of however they chose to um, because ultimately states had to pay for part, part of the bill. Um, and so this continues for a long time and it kind of ferments. Right. But, but like that, that continued for a long time. But at its advent, though, this was sort of like when liberalism was in its, like at its high point in American history, right? It, it this was, was like the high tide of American liberalism. However, in the nascent early, like the sort of the early, early days of the American, what is now the sort of conservative movement, uh, both of these programs, Medicare specifically, were like horror stories to them. And I believe Ronald Reagan, one of his first big things, I think he cut an LP that was like, it was literally just like a series of lectures he gave on why Medicare was taking away freedom from America. Right. Damn, son, where'd you find this? <laughs> General Electric, the, the road to serfdom, Ronald Reagan classics. The AMA presents. DJ, run that anti-collectivism shit back. You know something? He did say well a lot. Well, well, well.
Uh, that was uh, that was, I believe that was partially sponsored by the AMA, and that was yeah, Reagan yeah. the actor, not even not even Reagan the governor. Um, that's a fucking that's a th- a thing I I I really want to get into. I mean, and and here's the fucking thing, right? Like Medicare, Medicaid, incredible, great, like f- of uh, foundational important parts of what we consider contemporary liberalism. Also, like n- incomplete provisions, right? Like Medicare is supposed to have a part two called Kitty Care that paid for children uh, after they were born. The incremental said and eh, we've done enough let's let's like work the process and it never fucking went anywhere right uh once again like just as you as like in a fucking foreshadowing of 2009 uh people who didn't want to push things too far uh ceded ground to the right wing and ultimately destroyed a project that would have saved a, a fucking million lives i mean those two programs like will referred to sort of the height of liberalism and you know we see it in these programs liberalism at its most productive for people was when it had the specter of comment when communism was this massive global power, this tangible thing people could look at and liberalism thought, well, we have to offer something to people on the left in our Western democracies so they don't become communists, but we give them something. Right. And this I mean yeah. so, so here's here's the thing that I think really if you want the story of why healthcare in America is fucked up, it's rooted in that, right? Yeah. In America, healthcare is a commodity. It's a thing you purchase. And the idea of liberty is tied in with a, this slavish devotion to letting a market set prices. Everything uh, in kind of in the, the, the foundational liberal uh, uh, work to expand markets for healthcare, to remove high-risk pools, to let insurers do their work, is predicated upon the idea that there is some sort of market which people should have the option to buy insurance or the option to buy healthcare or make consumer choices as if people ever could make informed choices about the way that like the healthcare that they need which right. is fucking ludicrous and, and it, like the, that idea of liberty like of market setting prices is, is of course in contrast to you know monolithic godless communism and like you know the parody of a centrally planned economy where you know there's like a central committee determining what each beat costs right. or something like yeah. that right so why I mean makes sense in a certain way for consumer items that like you know let's for say whiskey fetish videos you know yeah yeah fetish videos or whiskey blue jeans coca-cola things mm-hmm. that uh that uh that soviet union wanted in america fin doms yeah fin doms why why does why is healthcare and people's health and and access to a doctor so uniquely not like all other consumer goods you so that kind of ties into how the ACA was formed, right? So let me uh, run through this. Healthcare costs have been increasing for fucking ever, faster than inflation. They're going to, at some point, cripple a lot of our important safety net programs. Uh, and every, like, fucking 10 years, a new idea comes across of how to fix this. A new panacea, a new nostrum, whatever. In the 90s, it was the idea of managed care, in which your payer, your insurance company, or whatever, would take a more active role in finding you doctors and coordinating care, all that kind of stuff. Kaiser Permanente did that in California. Still the best in the game, but, like, that's not fucking saying much. Uh, in the 2000s, the idea of consumer-driven healthcare plans uh, kind of came to the forefront. This is a heritage foundation idea that we're working on since fucking 78. Uh, it's the idea that if you give more of the costs of healthcare to the individual, in their terms, the consumer, the consumer will make smarter and more informed <laughs> choices and overall bring, like, they'll shop around, which never fucking happens, right? If your appendix hurts, you don't go, well, I wonder which of these doctors has the best fucking rate. Uh, you just fucking go to the doctor. Secondly, like, the individual doesn't have the ability to bring costs down by themselves. No. You're at the mercy of who's around and who can like fucking work on your appendix like you know i'm Have i'm i've heard of apps 
apps, sir. <laughs> Look, an I'm app a- could give you instant, real time data on all of the available prices and all of the potential healthcare providers. If you, even if you're in the middle of having a heart attack or an appendix bursting, you could just two clicks and you could see all that information. I can relate to this because, you know, as a piss pig sub, if I need to be peed on, you know, that I just I just need to be peed on. OK, like I'm not going to I'm not going to make a rational choice about whose urine is the best. You know, yeah, all, all the Vox guys love the website. Like, this is fun. I get to click through and add and put my data. <laughs> well, there's there's something y'all have said before that I that, that I really like. Like, yeah, man, like I fucking like reading policy because I'm a fucking like vol cell idiot and I live at home <laughs> and I just fucking like clicking on things and looking at charts. But nobody else should fucking have to do that if they need to get health care at, at, at an ER. And there's just a whole bunch of things that go with this, right? Like if you don't have health care or you don't have a health insurance plan, if you can't afford to see a fucking primary care doctor, you just go to the ER when things are bad. And then everything like uh, I think in the U.S., 53% of all of our healthcare costs overall, any, any, anybody spends, come from paying doctors and paying hospitals uh, for like emergency procedures. It's, it's this fucking giant albatross around our neck that we fucking like fashioned for ourselves and, 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 and put on all the time. Anyway, so, so you've got this idea of, of consumer-driven health plans. Uh, and those have higher co-pays, higher premiums, higher deductibles, all fucking marketed under the guise of we'll let the consumer take care of bringing costs down, which is a way of just fucking But conceding. also it's the idea that if, if, they, if they have like a more active role in it, like the consumer, they'll be more spendthrift. They'll make better decisions about their, health, about their health and health care if they have to pay There will more. be apps. There'll be disruption. You'll be <laughs> able to get real-time data on local prices. Yeah, that's... And especially if you get rid of the lines. You get rid of the lines around the states. That's the idea. You've got this like, and it's it's this fucking toxic one-two punch of uh, describing insurance as a form of personal accountability, and also the citizen, the body as as a consumer, and this fucking slavish devotion, this worshiping of the idea that true liberty is the ability to set prices and let the market decide, which ultimately lets millions of people die because they can't get fucking healthcare when there's like a weird growth on their foot or their lungs are exploding or they have fucking Hep C because they got addicted to heroin and they can't like a fucking afford to go to a clinic. Uh, uh, and I mean, that's, that's the end result, right? And it's, 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 it's brutal and it's disgusting. And it's all just a very slow progression from this, for lack of a better term, it's the same neoliberal ideology that like shows how we handle prisons and education and international relations and fucking, uh, uh, how we intervene in elections or cause wars for oil, whatever. It's the same idea that you must create more markets and let the players in the market, in this case, the insurance companies and the healthcare providers have free reign to let prices be set and it's fucking stupid it's fucking it's one of and the end result is you've got right now uh 24 million people are uninsured and that's of people people who aren't elderly even people who are insured can't afford to pay for their insurance our outcomes are worse than any other country we have a hundred million sorry between 48 and 98 thousand people per year die uh from from mistreatment in the hospital it's fucking barbaric uh uh, uh and you know and, i gotta say it's it's been it's been yeah like, yeah, my entire adult life watching this sort of idiotic uh, sort of conventional wisdom about healthcare has been very frustrating. Uh, but there's been a new wrinkle that happened uh, during the debate over the botched Obamacare replacement that didn't go anywhere 
because somehow the master persuader Donald Trump taking a bag of Arby's into the Freedom Caucus and talking about his feud with Carson Daly didn't swing enough votes. Go figure. But like you saw a lot of people talking, a lot of Republicans and conservatives talking about health care and saying things like, well, why should I'm a man? Why should I have to pay for someone's mammogram? And it's like, that's like the basic fundamental underlying concept behind insurance right. is that it's a pool. And like there's this new hostility to the idea of insurance, which yeah. is saying that they don't want to replace Obamacare with some sort of, you know, jerry-rigged, less effective Obamacare. They want to replace health insurance with a system where you just go to the doctor and there's like, a menu of, of prices and you just pick and it's a fee for service, an individual fee for an individual service. And you don't have to worry about anybody else. And there's no pooling of anything. And there's no, there's no insuring against anything. You use health, you pay for the healthcare you use. And like, that's something that because of how astronomically expensive healthcare is in this country. Nobody before now really I've have I ever heard anyone adv- advocating it. And I say, like, what the fuck would that look like? That sounds to me like that could get pretty fucking wild pretty quickly. Uh you go you go into the office, uh the uh beautiful the beautiful secretary, because we're gonna bring women back to wearing skirts in the Freedom <laughs> Caucus. She like buzzes you in on the iPad. You look at the iPad and you have the first price tier, and the first price tier is a guy who does Herbalife. That's what you get if you're <laughs> yeah, poor. Yeah, yeah. Then beyond that, you get a doctor who has a disability, maybe one eye, maybe a peg leg or something. That's what you get if you're lower middle class. And then the higher you go, you get to Jewish. That's the highest level. <laughs> yeah, yeah, this yeah, is yeah. the Freedom Caucus individual payment plan healthcare. I'm imagining someone going to the doctor's office and just going. Um, let me get, uh, yo, y- y- y'all do, uh, y'all do uh, appendicitis here. Um, let me get one of those and, uh, oh yeah, some chemotherapy. It's uh, $1.2 million. Try- I'm trying to DM girls that I have cancer. Uh, <laughs> yeah. But, um, yeah, no, Matt mentioned like the, the, this hostility to the very idea of insurance and like the common line you hear from these guys is, uh, I don't. I don't think I need to be paying for any uh, maternity care because uh, I don't have a vagina. <laughs> and, and someone who said that is a version of that this week was, uh, I believe, the Washington Post's own beloved longtime conservative columnist Charles Krauthammer. All the conservative bloggers who are like, I'm not paying for some slut to for a guy to pee in her butt or whatever they do. <laughs> they're, they're all like 500 pounds, and it's like I'm paying for you in some manner of way just because you're like an enormously fat slob. Right. Once their gut envelops their entire dick and balls, they begin <laughs> creating this fucking like fetid concoction of their own sweat and urine that kind of seeps around the fucking ball tissue, which eventually begins to burn through the body and creates like this, uh, what's it fucking called? Like this gangrenous kind of cyst mm-hmm. that burrows oh, the entire yeah. Fupa. yeah, like I, I'm not like we're gonna pay for that. Yeah, I'm, fucking, I'm fine with doing. It. That's that's yeah. a, that's the cost of being a, a, a citizen. That's how yeah, it fucking I, works. I, I know that's what you would call a cost driver, right? <laughs> I I mean I love when I love when all the right wing guys like talk about women's birth control because it just betrays how they've like just they've never even known anyone who's had sex. <laughs> they don't understand that like sometimes women take birth control because 
for some, it can like offset migraines, which are a huge problem with women. And because of what a huge problem for me when they're blah blah blah, <laughs> <laughs> I call them migraines. <laughs> but no, like uh, they have to. Women often have to take birth control because they benefit. Like they'll have a problem like migraines, which speak to a larger problem about U.S. healthcare that there's nothing you can really do for migraines except prescribe these things that have secondary effects. Or other health things generally that birth control works for. Or just like maybe it's good to give people birth control. Even but if these, they're not. Exactly. Yeah, why who even cares? Make, why even make this concession? But, but in well, solidarity I, 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 with all women, I will start taking birth control. <laughs> As a woke ally, but, I call them our but grins. Like, <laughs> but when they like when but when they like, you know, Matt Walsh or another one of these toads talk about it, they're like, uh, why are we buying women uh, female condoms? <laughs> Make them feel I mean, better. My answer to that is, why are we buying stealth bombers? Yeah, I'm paying yeah. for that. Like, I'll pay for fucking birth. I mean, like, look. Why am I paying for the war on drugs? One of the yeah. most useless things why am ever. I pay, yeah, why am I paying for police departments to buy yeah. more fucking, like, tanks and machine guns and shit? I'd rather. Why don't we have an a la carte tax system where we just check off the things that we would like to pay for? You know, that's that's the libertarian dream. That's what true liberty is. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I never really got to the ACA. Let's let's, let's yeah. Actually, okay. So we, we got we got to so like in the two thousands, we were talking like this idea of sort of a more consumer based model. Then then Obama came along, and then like his big signature achievement was the ACA, right. also known as Obamacare. Right. And the ACA was, as everyone knows at this point, initially like a fucking heritage foundation paper that kind of wriggled its way up like a fucking larva uh, through the topsoil and kind of came to play as like what the acceptable level of discourse was after Clinton's healthcare failures in the 90s. And uh, during the 08 primaries, you had all three uh, competitors, Obama, Clinton, and Kucinich, making a guest appearance, uh, talking about how to handle the idea of healthcare. And it was fucking credit Kucinich had it sorry not Kucinich uh, uh, Howard Dean nope sorry Kucinich Kucinich had it right the entire fucking time he was able to shot call uh, all of the problems with uh, consumer driven healthcare plans and where they would break and where they could go wrong but he did it in a really funny voice and he looks like a fucking idiot so that doesn't <laughs> go very far so uh, uh, Clinton had uh, near Tandon wrote for Clinton uh, her version of, of, of the ACA when Obama Mom, stomped her uh, people kind of jumped ship Tandon came over Rahm Emanuel came over Zeke Emanuel, his brother, slunk into the into the faction. Larry Summers, uh, fan favorite Larry Summers, uh, made a guest appearance as one of the uh, policy directors in, in writing the ACA. So it's like a fucking Spider-Man rogues gallery of uh, a bunch of neoliberals getting together to try to solve came problems. Out, I remember that the big point of contention between Clinton and Obama was that uh, Obama said that Clinton's plan would have a tax penalty for not getting insurance. The mandate and his plan would, and then Clinton and all those people came on, and like, Clinton uh, Clinton wanted to win. So uh, so. Uh, uh, so like basically what they're, they're trying to do is solve the problem of rising health costs and then people who are uninsured. Right. right? And they want to do that by creating more markets for insurers to operate in. Right. It goes back to this 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 fucking congenital idea that these like a venereal ideas, oatmeal face dipshits have that the best way to increase access to health care is through creating more liberalized markets through which people can operate as consumers, which is. Fucking stupid. Uh, so the ACA, and the, 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 it's important to be, to be really, really clear about a couple things. Like the ACA, like 
the best parts of the ACA are where it acted against that tendency, that kind of neoliberal healthcare tendency. And parts of that are extremely good. Uh, uh, there's this, uh, uh, Sherry Gleed was one of the HHS directors who passed through the idea of essential health benefits. Every insurance plan has to cover a bunch of shit and can't not cover it. If you have an emergency out of your fucking uh, region, uh, your insurance company must pay for the ER bills even if you're out of network. Uh, the idea that preventative care uh, should be uh, should be affordable or must, must be included must be treated all these things that kind of like before that you could put any, together anything you wanted call it an insurance plan sell it for 14 bucks and have a deductible of ten thousand dollars with no treatment outside of like one or two hospitals and people got reamed all the time right like simply having insurance didn't mean you had good insurance you just like legally had a piece of paper that has the word insurance written on it and like a fucking smiley face this isn't worth the fucking paper it's printed on so people went into massive qu- i think it's like two-thirds 60 percent of uh, of all debt in the u.s was, was medical debt people were going underwater because they couldn't afford Board, and their insurance wasn't covering the health care that they needed to stay alive. Uh, just like a bunch of fucking rampant, rampant extortion, grift. Uh, uh, and also uh, uh, bundled with the ACA was Medicaid expansion. Up until 2012, states could set the limits of how, how people got uh, Medicaid. And there's fucking leaps and hurdles and it's all bullshit. Um, the ACA posited the idea... You need to expand um, uh, Medicaid to everybody in your state who's under some percentage of the uh, of, of the poverty line. I think it's one thirty eight percent. The federal government will pay for that. Will pay for that gap for the first six or eight years um, to kind of wean you onto it. It's free money. It's a free house. Uh, free real estate. It's free real estate. Um, uh, and then some. There was a lawsuit, and some governors chose not not to abide by it. But it was a really strong regulation. Like the ACA was fundamentally a way of of regulating pretty effectively the insurance companies and regulating less effectively the providers who set costs. Um, and in the process, creating a brand new market of the individual uninsured. I'm sorry, when you say the providers who set costs, are you referring to doctors and hospitals? Hospital groups and the AMA. Well, I have a lot of vial, uh, a lot of spit for, which I'll save uh, for a, a little bit from now. But yeah, uh, people who ultimately set costs, hospitals, um, and pharma and other uh, other people like that. Um, and there was other, there's some other shit in there too, like the idea of using electronic health records which is cool um, claims databases which are good so you can build data sets to look at things later like they did a lot of really good things and but those are all things that act contra the the, the, uh, the, the belief oh also removed a big one removing uh, uh, excluding people from insurance for having pre-existing conditions mm-hmm. which was huge it used to be that if you didn't have employer sponsored health insurance you had to buy an individual plan but they could cut you for any, anything they wanted so if you're a 63 year old uh, woman and you have I don't know, some version of cancer, emphysema or whatever, you're not even eligible to get insurance. So you go work as a Walmart greeter and get, uh, well, I guess not Walmart because they don't provide, you work, you work at like, as like a fucking TSA bag handler uh, uh, working like a backbreaking menial, uh, manual labor job in order to get insurance. And there's like fucking stories of this uh, up and down the board. It's brutal. It's inhumane. It's, it, it's, it is not a thing you would ever design to take care of people with. It's the way you punish people for being sick or having bought. It's just, mm-hmm. it's fucking like, if you are not useful to us as a person, you can pay money into insurance and not receive care back. Uh, if you do not qualify as one of those, then we'll just fucking throw you to the side. It's barbaric. Uh, and the ACA, what it acted against these tendencies of, of creating a market or, or, or worshiping the idea of, 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 
of consumerism as the way health health is managed did a lot of good. But where it failed is where it embraced these tendencies or failed to push back against them enough or where the fucking like milk toast incrementals uh, incrementalists decided not to not to make a fight. And of course, I'm talking about people like Larry Summers. I'm talking about people like Joe Lieberman. I'm talking about people that decided not to use the advantage that Obama had uh, at the time to whip his party together and force them to push things through. Like, but also they action. thought they had to reward the insurance companies with these markets because they saw how Hillary Care failed. Well, and they needed the, they wanted they didn't want to get Harry and Louise. Right. Right. A big part of, uh, of, of creating, of, of liberalizing the individual market was a massive kickback to the insurance companies called risk corridors. Risk corridors are the idea that in this population of uninsured people, we have no idea how sick they are. People, when they don't have insurance, like uh, uh, you saw this thing actually after the ACA in West Virginia, when people got insurance for the first time, they all began using it a lot because they all had been sick the entire time but not doing anything. They're fucking Puritan about it. Uh, uh, and so insurers kind of balked at this idea that if we give people insurance, they'll use it and we won't have any money left. Uh, how, do, how are we going to manage that? So the idea of the Federal Risk Quarter Program uh, uh, was invented, which basically um, offers financial security through massive subsidization of, 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 of these markets to insurers. That's how you got them in line. That was the trade-off for regulating them was promise of just a fuck ton of money uh, down the road. Ironically, the Republicans later gutted that appropriation, and now insurance companies are suing the federal government to get, to get the money back. But that was the idea of, of, how, of how these things would be managed. Um, and so then, then the, the, that kind of takes you to the, uh, the AHCA. Like, where the ACA was successful it fought against the idea of neoliberal healthcare um where it was unsuccessful the ac the ahca really took root and and this goes back to like this is the this goes back to ronald reagan's fire ass mixtape against medicare this is something that the right wing and conservatives in this country have long tilted against because i think they understand correctly once something like medicare becomes established it will be popular and people will expect it and once that expectation is there, that cuts against their entire vision of society and government. So they're constantly fighting this battle against um, the idea that the government can provide goods or needs or be a force of good in people's life. And that they're cutting, they're constantly fighting against the idea that people should expect things like healthcare, right? And um, so, like, like Medicare, Obamacare was their huge. That was the huge thing that they weren't tilting against. And then, lo and behold, Hillary loses the election, Trump gets in, it's at the top of their agenda, he said it, uh, he now denies it, of course, but like, repeal and replace Obamacare was a huge rallying cry during the campaign. This is like, one of the top things they wanted to do. I think we understand why they wanted to do it. What, what the AHCA, the, this now failed effort to re- repeal and replace it, what would that have looked like? Uh, it rolls back all the components of the ACA that did good things. The, what Sub- you just described. Subsidies. Yeah. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Trump said everyone was going to be covered. It was going to be amazing. So everyone. Yeah, Tim, you're wrong. He said every, that. Everyone, everyone can be covered if you offered terrible insurance to a small subsection of, of, of like it, it, uh, uh, the way they would accomplish that was by, by creating like fucking nothing, nothing plans that cost nothing because you got nothing in return. So it'd be like the, the, the Mick McDonald care. Yeah. You it, know, it'd just be like you pay $25 a month and you can get a Band-Aid in the mail. Right. On a bi-monthly basis. And you get a free shake on your birthday. Yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, that kind of shit. Um, I mean, like the A8, like if you read Ryan Care's pr- pr- proposals for the past three years, which I have because I'm fucking stupid, uh, uh, <laughs> like they don't even like, they're, they're inherently 
puff pieces that he wrote for like to, to, to make a point, but there is no internal consistency, right? It's purely barbaric. Now, Paul Ryan is a fucking idiot. He's a fourth-generation Wisconsin fail son. In Wisconsin, uh, the great-grandparents uh, work in the factory. He's fact- a disgrace to our kind. Right. Well, the, uh, I was uh, talking about fail sons, not Wisconsinites. <laughs> uh, uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, fourth-generation great-grandparents. Uh, uh, Great-grandparents come in as immigrants. Grandparents work in the factories. Uh, parents take white-collar jobs adjacent to um, um, the factories, the factory towns in the suburbs. Doctor, lawyer, used car dealership owner, whatever. And the fourth generation fucking can't find out where their own dick is and fucks it up for the rest of us. That's Ron Johnson. That's Paul Ryan. That's Scott Walker. All these fucking like weird dog they all kind of look alike. Shit. Yeah, yeah, no, they're, yeah, yeah. they're melting. They're they're yeah. they're the Nazis from but, Indiana Jones. I mean, every, every... But Paul Ryan is the guy that is routinely discussed as like being the wonk what you know, guy. You know who helped uh, start that legend friend of the show Ezra Klein yes another healthcare wonk I mean Paul yes. Ryan just said I'm a wonk and people believed him uh, it was really <laughs> these, these people are that gullible but that's the thing like he's not a wonk he's just a guy who's ideologically committed to rolling back the great society and the new deal in American politics right with society. Paul Ryan I, I I wonder a lot right this is a this is a thing that's just fun to think about when you're sad like is Paul Ryan actively trying to kill poor people or is he just an idiot who believes that he can espouse Ayn Rand ideology make it make it manifest make the world a better Call place right now number one I I I <laughs> I have to believe it's the it's the former because Ryan Care was so overtly bad. Uh, like um, another, so a big component of, of of Ryan Care is an extension of this consumer driven idea, the uh, idea of high deductible health plans and HSAs. HSAs are bullshit. Don't even bother fucking bother explaining them. They're bullshit. Uh, they're another place to put your money that you don't understand that you can't use. Fuck it. Terrible. Um, high deductible <laughs> health plans. Uh, uh, you end up paying more money for health care because you have a higher deductible. Fucking everybody, even the fucking bad providers, agree these are bad things because no one can then can afford to pay for healthcare. Everybody was unilaterally opposed. There's nobody in the entire fucking healthcare like, sphere who thought this was at all a good idea on any side of the debate. The only guys that think it's a good idea are fucking people that sit in piles of gold and like look at their dicks all day long and talk about how nice it would be if everybody was white. And then they like take that back, delete that tweet and say if everybody, you know, like could uh, 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 be like uh, uh, self-accountable and responsible and be responsible consumer citizens, fuck them. Uh, and that's what the AHC is predicated upon. And like, here's the thing: it's never going to pass. Uh, uh, people, healthcare entitlements are sticky. People love having them. People hate getting them taken away. Uh, yeah, should- but it didn't fail this first time because of that. It failed because it was not barbaric enough. Like, so what the fuck did the Freedom Caucus want it to have? Did they want to have a thing where, like, you could just go shoot random homeless people <laughs> and then make that legal? Like, was that? Like, what the fuck did they want to have in it that wasn't in it? Because, as you said, it was a savage uh, 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 taking away of right of of people's health care. What the fuck did they want that wasn't in it? So what what do Gersh, Cuntwell, and those guys want? What is their ideal replacement of Obamacare? No one knows, right? They're they're all fucking. They're all like fucking Doctor Claw. The reason I believe these things won't pass is because governors and state reps will, will rebel, right? Like everybody who says maybe we should roll back Medicaid gets fucking screamed at for hours and hours by old people, and then they get lonely and they feel and sad they and they cry about it. Um, 
governors don't want to uh, eliminate Medicaid in their state because they'll never fucking get uh, uh, elected again. They, uh, Ryan Care includes provisions for restructuring Medicaid. There's a thing called block grants. There's a thing called per capita caps. They're both equally heinous. Fundamentally, they, uh, they, they create ways to reduce the amount of funding for uh, Medicaid in a given state and prevent folks from, from, from getting care. They just have two different bureaucratic structures for, for getting it done. Uh, but you're going to like, people push back when their actual, when their election is, is on the line. Um, and, you know, I don't want, like, I'm going to say this thing because I need, I need it to be true. Uh, I do not believe, I think the AHCA will be like a werewolf that shows up every fucking full moon. We got to deal with it. Uh, but I think it'll just, like, just fall down and drool over itself uh, uh, a couple of times throughout the administration. So, Tim, what is going to happen to the ACA if there are no legislative uh, changes to it? Uh, we've been talking about a death spiral yeah, in uh, individual so markets. The death spiral is, a, uh, is this idea that um, people can't afford premiums. So it's important to note this. This is just people that are that aren't don't have employer insurance, right? This is just the individual market. Uh, people can't afford the premiums for their own coverage, and also they're sicker, sicker than, than than they expect, uh, than insurers expect. So overall costs go up, driving premiums up. So more folks drop out. The people that are left, people that are the most sick, because if you have fucking stage four cancer, you're not dropping your insurance. You'll pay the two thousand a month. Like fuck it, man. You need that shit. So all of a sudden you have a risk pool that's just the infirm and the elderly and the sick. Uh, and they cost a jillion dollars to treat, and you can't build a market off of that. That's what the death spiral is. And like fundamentally, like that is that's not false. It's also partially overblown. Uh, um, but the, I mean, the it's it kind of goes to serve the broader point that like neoliberalism cannot neoliberal policies, consumer-driven healthcare policies, cannot solve the problems caused by. Uh, the idea of healthcare as a consumer good like fucking like Larry Summers fucking very friendly very warm very personally nice dipshit Larry Summers <laughs> can't solve the problems of of commoditization of healthcare he's like a fucking like it's Sam Walton wearing a smiley face sticker it's a killer robot trying to grow a flower it's a gun shedding a tear like these things that cause the problems can't solve the problems that they themselves cause okay so We've we've now just sort of narrated a sort of a brief history of American healthcare, the American healthcare system, and why it's so fucked up. So let's now begin like laying out some of like these these other options that are not not like utopian, not like completely not complete fantasies. What are some ideas that are like just sitting on the shelf right now? Right. That like we could have a different way. What are some different options for managing a healthcare system of a country as big as America? So, if you want to get to parity with other countries, the idea of the thing we want to get to is um, a federal single payer option, aka Medicare for all. Uh, and fundamentally, like we have the tools to deploy that in place. If someone were like, there's a couple of, there's a lot of legal frameworks that prevent us from saying, it's, you're going to Medicare for all tomorrow. Uh, 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 the ERISA Act, Medicare and Ferguson, other kind of shit like that. But whatever, you can work through that. It's like for the fucking nerds to figure out. Um, but fundamentally, we have the tools in place. We have the policies, the structures, the processes in place to expand Medicare unilaterally. Well, we can't fix this cost uh, uh, like that. And cost is a major, major, major driver of all the problems uh, in, in American healthcare. Shit is extremely expensive for extremely stupid and invented reasons. Um, so any universal universal healthcare approach uh, needs to address both the coverage question and the cost question, and luckily both are addressable if you have the political capital and the will to do it. So, okay, like the political capital and will, what is standing in the way of both of those things? What or who? Yeah. 
Uh, well, you've got a, you've got this kind of this this kind of host of bad guys. I can just run through. Yeah, run through the bad the, guy list. Yeah, let's, uh, hear, the, let's hear the, the bad guys. The, 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 the Tim Faust duck hunt, ninja style, um, one at a time. So, when people are mad about healthcare, the organizations they're usually the most mad at are insurance companies, which I understand because usually they're they're the ones saying your bills aren't being covered. But post ACA, they're fairly rational actors. They're just rational actors in a broken machine that turns people into blood. Uh, <laughs> right, like plasma. Right. I mean, like they're like the insurance companies are following all the rules. Like it's not nearly as exploitative as it was uh, uh, a, a couple of years ago. It's just that the rules are stupid and the goals are dumb. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, so, like, insurance companies should be ground into the dirt, but they're not the guys who are currently causing a bunch of the problems that we're running into. Yeah, they got fucking lobbyists, but they can be cowed. They were cowed before; they'll be cowed again. Mm-hmm. Fuck them. I don't care. Uh, um. A really interesting uh, uh, group that, like, and people know about pharma. People know that pharma is bad. Drug costs are expensive. Martin Shkreli uh, has served his only useful function in life by being a good, like, model citizen for how bad pharma can be. Great, we understand that pharma is ten percent of uh, um, of healthcare costs in America. So important, not like the mm-hmm. most uh, most urgent thing. What's really worth talking about is the AMA and the idea of prices and where prices come from. The AMA is the American Medical Association. They would claim they're a professional association or like a union, but if they're a union, they're a union in the way that cops are unions. Mm-hmm. Uh, 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 like a couple percent of all different provider groups are part of the AMA. Uh, they The AMA has this weird and privileged role in American healthcare in which they basically get to set the cost structure by which their members are then paid, which in any other scenario would be extremely fucked up. You've and this got, is a voluntary organization. Yes. So uh, the AMA has. It's more of a cartel then. It, 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 it's a it's a cartel. Um, let me give you an example of 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 kind of how the AMA works. We can like there's this entire idea of DRGs, diagnosis groups, and CPTs, which are building codes, and ICD-10, whatever. But we can skip over that. That's for fucking nerds. Um, the AMA, so every year, CMS, sorry, let me step back. The AMA, every year, HHS and CMS set kind of the billing rates for Medicare. Medicare being the single largest payer in the entire U.S. says, okay, like we're going to charge or we're going to pay 20000 bucks for procedure A in this given state or to this given hospital. And then every insurer says, okay, well, we'll pay you 1.2x of Medicare or more often 2.4x of Medicare. Like all costs are set as a function of Medicare right. because they're the largest organization. They have the most negotiating power. Everybody kind of leeches off them uh, like little fucking fish that eat the glime of the side of your aquarium tank. So the uh, uh, Medicare is the guy that, that that's, that's setting all the rules. But like healthcare is big. Like the argument is that like uh, making this price schedule for how much procedure A through Z cost is big and complicated. Let's let the experts uh, ad- advise us on this. So there's this big thing called the Rules Update Committee, uh, which is just a bunch of fucking doctors that have gone through like several layers of meetings. They feel like all their problems have been abstracted. Uh, and they advise CMS, like the fucking three C-level bureaucrats that show up, as in like ABC, not like, like CRO or whatever, uh, C-level bureaucrats that show up. Uh, uh, and tell them how they think this like healthcare pricing structure should be updated. And here's how, here's how that shakes down. They have an obligation to keep the thing theoretically value neutral. In theory, you can't just make things more expensive. You need to have things balance out. Here's how that works. Uh, let's say this year the AMA decides, they look at knee surgeries. 
and let's say there's only one kind of knee surgery, and they say, hey, you know what? Knee surgeries can be pretty complicated, or they can be pretty simple. Let's say that there's a, a hard kind of, in, in like this building code for knee surgery, let's split that into two and say there's two kinds. The hard kind of knee surgery, which costs 2x of what knee surgery used to cost, and the easy kind, which costs 0.5x of what knee surgery used to cost. Uh, and because these two things will happen in equal, equal, equal proportion, the costs are the same, and they've got two building codes, everything's great. They pass that in a, uh, as, a, as a recommendation to CMS. CMS and HHS accept that. Bam, it's on the Medicare schedule. And then what happens immediately is everybody who performs a knee surgery picks the more complicated code just across the board. Mm -hmm. And costs skyrocket because you've got, when given, like doctors are now incentivized to also advise on how they get paid, which kind of gets in the way of them providing like care. Doctors don't like doing this, at least the ones that I've talked to. Um, but they have pressure from their organizations or uh, even more accurately hospitals have giant departments whose only function is to find the most expensive billing code they can possibly select pick that one and then find a way to justify it it's this entire sub industry here's a thing that fucking uh that uh, healthcare has liberalized a new market we've created we've created this entire industry of blood-sucking useless jobs that find ways to bill insurers or medicare for for, for cost treatments and these are i mean like this entire structure everybody's a rational actor in a structure that's fundamentally stupid and pushes because of federal up. law pardon because of federal law because of the way federal legislation yeah and because of the way it. that this panel of experts have ingratiated themselves um um into the people that get that, that get so the AMA is a very reactionary organization also right. in its outlook the ama here's the first thing the ama ever did right uh 1860 right after the civil war the ama is a very loose coalition at that point in time uh the first thing they did as a group the gang all got together and said okay we're gonna set price floors on how much medical service costs uh, uh <laughs> on amputations on amputations right. uh, leeching getting like that those sort of things lead lead uh, cocaine tonics lead bullets getting grape out of you. shot out of right exactly body. grape shot they said price floors. Stuffing bullion cubes up James Garfield's ass. <laughs> right. I think everyone, everyone, all the doctors back then, like, because there is no Tumblr or DeviantArt, <laughs> because you didn't have those things, you just had to become a doctor and be, be like, yeah, uh, you just, you have to put a live eel up someone's asshole and then, uh, you know, put some string in their urethra. That's because they never had access to pictures from the Orient. Yeah, so they would, ha they would have to put... Uh, they would have to just do like genital torture and ass play with uh, <laughs> old old men and then remember it and the maybe a get a derogatype of the it. The AMA was the yeah. first Styles project back in 1860. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so what? So what did they do after after the Civil War? Oh, they set price floors. Okay. So like healthcare costs are regionalized, right? Like a, a surgery in New York and a surgery in Alabama cost differently, whatever. And in a usual market, you would see those costs fluctuate, right? Yep. Nope. Thanks to the AMA in fucking 1860. Uh, uh, now, like, there's a standard menu of prices, which you couldn't go below or you kicked out. Like, it's fucking, it's rotten. They've been rotten since birth. Okay, so l l let me ask you this. If we were to, you know, in, in, in the Chapo dictatorship, you know, in the, in the utopian future that we're all working towards, in which we are supreme ruler, we put you, Tim Faust, in charge of healthcare for um, America 2 Zone 4, which is the form region formerly known as the Northeastern United States pre- uh, fallout. Um, no, just generally though, like if you were put in charge of like healthcare policy for America and like like things like realistic or political will, et cetera, these things were not a consideration. If you just had a hundred percent authority to craft 
a sane and rational healthcare system for the United States. How do we of get America? socialized medicine? Christ. Yes. Okay. Well, the first thing I would do is make circumcision illegal. Thank you. <laughs> Obviously. Thank you. The second thing I would do is make weed mandatory. And then I would retire. Well, then no. we wouldn't have any problems because it cures all diseases. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's do right. You know, do you know that Jesus Christ, Martin Luther King, the framers of the Constitution, Rodney King. We're all circumcised. Uh, they were all <laughs> circumcised and they all smoked weed, which is why the government killed all of them. <laughs> so here is a I have a I have a five step process uh, that I think is relatively feasible within the construct for how you arrive at single payer healthcare, which is different than socialized medicine. Socialized medicine is the state owns the providers as well, like NHS, uh, uh, which is cool, but I think is a bit too. Uh, that's that's a lot of baby lot of friction there. But a, a single that's a lot of bollocks, mate. I won't be able to go out to Tesco and <laughs> pay nothing and get me art taken care of and and me bloody uh, falling arches and all that, mate. <laughs> I want a bloody NHS for America, mate. Uh, here's the here's here's a here's a five step process, right? The Faust the five fa- the, step plan. The Faust the, the the two Fs Faust five step. Uh, first up is you know Medicaid expansion in all uh, in all the states. A bunch of states didn't expand Medicaid after the ACA, uh, which is dis- it was purely political. It's despicable. Uh, it affects only people who are poor, people who are uh, uh, of color, and women. It's 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 strictly punitive. It's aberrant. It's one of the b- biggest cost drivers we have uh, is people who aren't able to get Medicaid going to ERs when it's way too late in the game. Uh, and it was it was, I hate to say it, it was uh, a Medicaid expansion didn't happen because governors were didn't want to support Obama, uh, which is rooted in all that fucking like bizarre racist bullshit that came in with the the Owit election. Whatever, expand Medicaid. Also say expand Medicare. A uh, friend of the show, Matt Brunig, proposed an idea that I think is really, really smart of pushing to expand Medicare to people under age 26. Now, the reason for that, there's twofold. One, people under 26 are, by and large, extremely cheap to insure, right? Uh, Medicare is basically an insurer, and that risk pool is extremely accessible and very cheap. It also begins to unhook employment from insurance. Uh, employer-driven insurance costs way, way more than Medicare. It costs like, like fucking 2.4x, super expensive, and people get jobs often so they can get insurance for their kids. If you put these kids on Medicare, you can begin to deassociate these things and find ways to uh, push people into a, a, a later public option. Step one, expand Medicaid and Medicare. Uh, step two is you find a way to kind of reduce the stranglehold of the AMA. Uh, you move away from the idea of fee-for-service into the idea of uh, bundled bundled billing. That's how it works in every other country. Uh, uh, you don't go to the hospital. The hospital just doesn't, doesn't give you a list of, here's the fucking 40 ways we looked at your dick, and like here's some Band-Aid costs. Yeah. You say, we will pay you to take care of appendicitis. That is it. Like the, 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 the billing code is appendicitis. Maybe like there's some mitigating factors. This is how every other country does it. That's how, that's how it the works. The billing code is PEN15 yes, for all medical procedures. The, the, the PEN15 club. <laughs> Uh, uh, you move towards that as a way of kind of reducing all these fucking irregularities that AMA works into the billing process mm-hmm. and standardizing uh, 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 really if if the federal government would tomorrow set prices for all procedures in the US and say that's how much these things cost half of our problems would go away third step you open up uh, the avenues through which the federal and state governments can really kind of experiment in making healthcare better. Medicaid, when it works well, does some pretty fucking amazing things. Uh, here's an anecdote. Maryland, Appalachian, Maryland, the far west, small population, 
huge health costs. Bunch of folks that have heroin problems, that picked up hep C, that pick up emphysema, that pick up all kinds of diseases that come from living in Appalachia, where there's no fucking doctors uh, uh, and living in a, a like super depressed economy. Uh, they are primarily Medicaid in Maryland, and they cost a fuck ton. So uh, the Maryland uh, Chief of Health and Hygiene, I believe her name is Shannon McMahon, not of the McMahon family, uh, unfortunately, uh, strong-armed the one hospital group into uh, uh, doing this. So there's no preventative care in, 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 in Appalachia. There's no primary care physicians. Uh, if you want to be a doctor, it's way more lucrative to be a specialist, like a fucking surgeon, anesthesiologist, whatever, than it is to be a primary care doctor. So no one chooses to go into this thing. Actually, we import a lot of people on H-1B visas to be our primary care doctors for rural, uh, rural parts of the country. No preventative care clinics. Preventative care is extremely low margin and very high volume. If I made a preventative care clinic tomorrow, I'd go bankrupt in a, in a year. Uh, the thing that is really lucrative is high margin low uh, butt implants butt implants high margin low number which is mostly inpatient hospital stuff uh, but none of these fucking services existed in in maryland because for some reason the market did not provide so maryland medicaid said listen up hospital here's the fucking deal uh we'll pay you a flat 100 million per year that's it you can't deny anyone treatment and you can't like you have to provide these services like you have to here's the things you got to cover you got to cover to anyone who comes through your door those are the rules go ahead and make your own profit and what do you know, once they had some inducement from, uh, uh, from the state government, this hospital began building their own preventative care clinics. They began training primary care doctors and putting them in the community. They began doing all the things you would need to happen if healthcare were, in fact, a commodity wow. to make healthcare costs more affordable. And the next year, they reaped a $20 million profit because really? they brought down the overall cost. Yeah, like, like Medicaid can do things like that. And then the reason Medicaid is cool is like, they're, they're little laboratories, right? And when one thing works well in one place, it kind of perc- percolates across the country. Washington State also has a massive heroin problem. Uh, and heroin goes hand-in-hand with hep C. A couple of years ago, a new hep C drug came out that makes you not want to kill yourself, which is a market improvement upon the old hep C drug. Uh, <laughs> uh, uh, only problem with it is that it costs $80,000 per person uh, for a course of treatment. Uh, and that's, of course, the uh, Medicaid, Medicare price uh, because they're not allowed to negotiate drug prices. For Veterans Affairs, Department of State, Public Health Service, and the Coast Guard, for some reason, uh, that drug costs $16,000. So you need to let uh, Medicaid and Medicare negotiate drug prices. That's just purely litigative. Uh, uh, that's uh, there, there's no reason why they can't negotiate drug prices. That's just Republicans some fucking... hate that. It's a lobbyist. It's a pharma lobby put that through and won't let uh, uh, them negotiate prices. But because Medicaid's on a fixed budget uh, per year, it can't afford... Like, uh, actually, my girlfriend worked at this lawsuit. She's a healthcare lawyer. Um, and they sued the state of Medic, uh, they sued the state of Washington, saying you can't deny these people uh, the drug that makes them not die uh, for Hep C. Like that's part of the ACA. You can't provide discriminatory uh, uh, services um, to people based upon pre-existing, pre-existing conditions. You must give them the Hep C drug that they need, even though it costs eighty thousand dollars. So now Washington's in a bind, right? Because they can't afford to give people these drugs, but also they're legally required to. Oh, oh, Ron Fournier solution. Everyone with hep C joins the Coast Guard. <laughs> <laughs> they, adopted, they adopted the Maryland approach, right? They began uh, pushing provider, hot and hospital groups to provide more preventative care. Hep C is a thing you can catch early. You can do things like needle exchanges, uh, syringe exchanges. You can get folks to engage in behavior that's less risky and reduce the amount of hep C overall. So they adopted the same model that McMahon put forward in Maryland and they're doing on the Washington State. So now. you heard it here first. 
So the socialist approach, states' rights. It is the only time states' rights is not like a fucking like racist catchphrase. Uh, uh, and the way that that works is, is like a, the, a strong federal government says, here are the things you must do. You must provide health care for all these people. Here are the things you must cover. Here's the extent of it. Now go and make manifest the way you make that real. Which makes sense because like the fucking... Yankees don't know how like fucking Texas works and like the New York model, New York City model for healthcare works isn't going to work in like rural Alabama. Like there is a there is reasonable room to let states experiment with how to with how to deliver healthcare to the people. But the problem is like left to their own devices a lot of these Republican governors their experiments with healthcare would be like Mad Max beyond the Thunderdome. Right. That's why you, you would have two sick people fight each other to the death and then cure the one who walks right. out. Right, and then cost their hat. <laughs> yeah. That's why you got to have the really strong federal uh That's uh, where the federal lines. government yeah. goes in, right. So that's, uh, that's my step three. Like, let these states experiment. Set these extremely strong rules for uh, what they must cover. Uh, let Medicaid uh, experiment with these things. Also, negotiate drug prices. Uh, um, but expand Medicaid waiver programs. Let, let states try this stuff. Uh, and then here's where things start to get spicy. Well, you build a national public option using existing insurance models, uh, but Medicare pricing. So one of the reasons the public option, which is the idea of like a government-run insurance company, wasn't passed during the ACA was the idea that it would be too good and everyone would want it, and then insurance companies would go bankrupt, which actually What's fucking rules. That's yeah. great. <laughs> yeah. Medicare right now is 44 million people. You build an insurance company that uses Medicare pricing because it is the government and can negotiate those rates uh, and has like a, a strong structured billing process. It'll fucking overnight, like within a couple of years, become the largest insurer uh, uh, in the entire U.S. Not quite single payer, but pretty close, right? Then between Medicare, Medicaid, and this public option, you have the majority and the, because you've worked to disentangle employment from insurance uh you've found a way to get a bunch of folks in government controlled healthcare plans brings us step five just fucking nationalized health insurance industry 2008 you could have done it for like about like 1.1 trillion dollars uh presumably if you build a public option that can that can that can that can drive down their worth you can buy them out like fucking buy out Aetna. like these people these companies are fucking vampires that have a bunch of david graber term bullshit work uh, that they that they generate but like there is a need for that to some degree like that is that is a value figuring out how to deliver deliver billing or negotiate with, with hospitals but fuck it it's not like a fucking thing that should be profitable it's just a service nationalize uh, 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 the insurance industry buy them out buy out the infrastructure then you got single pair Medicare for all is broadly popular according to opinion polling. Yeah. So uh, in closing, how do we sell this to people? One thing that you touched on at the beginning of our conversation is the problem with these market-based approaches and treating healthcare as a commodity. And again, as friend of the show, Matt Brunig says, that it's wrong to frame it as a commodity. It should be framed as, what would you say? It's entitlement, right? It's, 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 it's a civil right. I wouldn't say human right. I'd say civil right, which I'll, is a distinction. I'll say human that's, right, that's, but okay. that's, that's, uh, uh, Maybe that's being a, a bit pedantic. But like any... Uh, you so, know what? <laughs> well, actually, um, any sufficiently advanced country has an obligation to take care of its citizenry. One, it's the fucking moral thing to do. Two, it's the economic thing to do. And fuck using economics to make a moral argument, but like it's really open and shut, nakedly obvious in this case. If you can get folks to get screened for cancer and catch it at stage zero, uh, then pay for it then like you will drive down costs for the entire population down the road it's, just, it's mm -hmm. fucking obvious it's yeah. also moral and humane it's the obvious correct thing to do um, and oh. people recognize this right the my in my opinion the biggest I worked on ACA enrollment I ran a bunch of canvases in Florida in 2013 and so I got involved in, in, in healthcare 
But I wasn't, even though I reported to fucking HHS, I wasn't employed by the government. The government ran away from advocating the thing they'd built. They outsourced it. The fucking pharma lobbyist firm for the Shkreli's of the World United uh, uh, saw the chance to have this big fucking new market that they could juice. Uh, and so they spent a bunch of money paying people like Planned Parenthood uh, to do get out the, I guess you could say get out the vote, but enrollment campaigns, uh, for which I worked uh, for the first open, open enrollment period. Uh, and that's like... I get it. That's a fine public-private partnership, but there was never any public part of it. Mm-hmm. Obama never got it. Like, if you tell people what you are giving them and you fucking hammer it home, people will then want the thing. You guys have talked about this before. I think Christman talked about this like in depth, and it's fucking obvious. This, this, is, this is not a complicated topic. Oh, but Obama yeah. fled from Obamacare. Obama fled from the idea of telling people like what they deserve as citizens. Well, I get it, because I guess that's the lesson of 2010, where they suffered these historic losses in Congress and thought, oh, well, that was Obamacare, so we're going to pretend it never happened. They're just fucking dipshits uh and then you see like the the ahca finally forced somebody although not the dems to explain to folks what the aca was and what they were going to lose <laughs> like like, like was, you're right it was the fucking republicans yeah, who were doing they, it they outsourced their job in 2012 to fucking paul ryan in 2017 and then they got their fucking asses whipped sarah cliff the only Vox writer that I like, although I don't know Jeffrey Stein, uh, Sarah Cliff is one of the two best healthcare writers in the U.S. Next to Timothy Jost, who I fucking adore. Um, microphone bought me a book. Do you of adore his. him because his name sounds like yours? Yes. Okay. Uh, he also hey, does. He wrote the first like big healthcare law textbook that people still use. Uh, he's been a he's a conscientious Christian, but he supports birth control and uh, abortion, which is mandatory. Uh, sorry, mandatory to support, not mandatory abortion. All that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> that's uh, that's step six of Tim Pool's plan. Step six, um, mandatory. <laughs> uh, he's 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 been writing about this shit for. For, 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 for decades. Um, very good angry writer. Anyway, Sarah Cliff ran a focus group in, I believe, West Virginia just a couple of days ago. And they were going to talk about health care. And then unprompted, one of the Trump voters there was like, you know what we should have? Canadian health care. Just fucking off the bat. Because it made sense. Because someone told him what health care is about and what he's entitled to as a citizen. And he went, oh yeah, of course. That's how it works. No one has done this before. People are cowards. Like the, uh, the, the, the neoliberal establishment that advocates for health care as a commodity you can never destroy the idea of healthcare as a commodity, which is the thing that people don't want. People don't want. People fucking- know it intuitively, and they know people who do have well, good health care. I mean, what I really wonder about, you know, and this is the most fringe position, people who everything now they're like, this is great, just keep this forever. <laughs> the like thirty, probably twenty percent of people in that poll who are like. Yeah, no. Uh, I should I should have to personally pay out of pocket for non tax deductible <laughs> health insurance. <laughs> These health saving accounts are great. Yeah, yeah. they're like they're the Jeb voters. They're the <laughs> they're. I want to know what their lives are like. You mean I get 05 percent interest on my health savings account returned to me as a refundable tax credit? <laughs> yeah. Man, I, 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 I just I just like talking to Blue Cross Blue Shield. I think they're <laughs> yeah, yeah. polite, charming. Wait, well, no, I that's love- it. That's it. All the people who want to keep the current system are perverts, and they want to <laughs> fuck the the uh, customer service people on the line at HMO. No, they're outsourcing, they're outsourcing, outsourcing that to robots. That's a fucking short-term oh, plan. Well, see, that's so, how we're going to get single right. payer. Um, Once we get rid of that contingent. But, but people, people want this thing. People know they want this thing when they are told what this thing is. It is not a very hard sell. Uh, and, it, like... 
you need to regulate prices. You need to regulate insurers. Like every country that has tried this thing has concluded that exact same. Like I think a couple of years ago, the Netherlands tried to see what would happen if they deregulated prices and let like, the private market take care of it. And it fucking bombed within a year and they canceled that plan. Like it's everybody knows how to do this thing. Americans Here, are too wrapped up in the idea of like liberty as the market and it's fucking <laughs> my bullshit. My idea to sell it is to uh, pay everyone to go to on a vacation to France and, and then break their arm while they're there. <laughs> yeah. Have them go to a French hospital, get it set, give them wonderful drugs, and then a bill for like sixty dollars. But mm-hmm. the bill does have a terrible cartoon. Yeah, the bill, the on bill it. will have a racist cartoon <laughs> on it. <laughs> uh, uh, you, you, it doesn't have to be France, Felix. Uh, you, you owe uh, fifty blackface. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you can either uh, pay your bill or draw Muhammad. <laughs> Wait, I'm I Dr. Like- Charlie Hebdo. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> you knew what you were doing like when you plan. used France. <laughs> I like this plan. There's also the question of, like, can states force single-payer individually, state by state? Um, and while I... Su- like, here's a complicated thing. It's extremely volatile. It's set up to fail. Sorry, you're referring to, like, there is a bill now in the, in the New York State Assembly right, for a right, single-payer like, plan for New York State. Right. there is in Oregon. And that's uh, uh, the way that's... It's, 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 just, it's a Medicaid waiver uh, and a Medicare waiver and a bunch of other shit, plus, like, an income tax fund. What did, wait, uh, couldn't uh, the Trump administration reject the waiver? Yes. Just to so, be an whoops. asshole? Uh, that's, that's complicated. Yep, Seema Verma, who's, like, a fucking super villainous, uh, could say no to it, but whatever. Here's the problem with state-by-state uh, healthcare for all is that healthcare is counter cyclical, and that is like when the economy is at its worst, people need healthcare the most. If you're funding healthcare through income tax, uh, uh, states, 49 states, have some degree of balanced budget amendments or provisions or whatever. They can't deficit spend. So when your economy on the state, even like a prosperous state like New York, uh, uh, is in the shitter, you literally don't have the money to pay for the healthcare program you've built, and you don't like have like the fucking like. F thirty two project to pull money from you got to pull it from something else. So it's it's it, it, so you you built set this thing up to fail. You've, you're having to pull from programs to pay for it. And my fear is that one state by state public uh, uh, option program that fails will kind of damn the progress for 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 f- federal level stuff. However, on the federal mm-hmm. level, like money is fake. You can have to spend all you fucking want. We have a jillion of bullshit programs you can pull money from to go ahead and fund uh, and, and fund the issue. Uh, 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 Just look up the F thirty five fighter jet for right. anyone who thinks that this shit is impossible on a federal level. It's the, like it's it, would it be impossible to spend that much money on something nobody needs or wants? Yeah, yeah. And to the libertarians who listen to the show for some ungodly reason, go even though yourself. even though we hate them all, hey, it's fiat money, so relax. It doesn't yeah. matter. Go nuts. Uh, so sorry that that's a uh, that's uh, my my stance on state by state uh, a single pair. Um, so like, ultimately, it's not going to work. Or I it it the way that healthcare is needed works uh, uh, in opposition to the way that states can afford to fund things. With so it's got to be it's got to be all or nothing basically. Yep. All fifty gotta states. Be, well, that's or, why that's why it's so funny watching the people who are still for some insane reason obsessed with. Uh, relitigating the 2016 primary and defending Hillary Clinton for condemning single payer. She does, th- they do, like when uh, the single payer effort in Vermont fails or whatever, they're like, see, you can't do it. Uh-huh. Yep. It, it's, it's great like, politics. Motherfuckers. It's great politics. Motherfuckers, you got to do it at a, at a national level. Exactly. Only it's the it's only it's the only like uh, agent that can afford to fund a thing like this. Also, Bernie would have won. That, that's <laughs> but that is great politics though to tell people that nothing is ever possible well, the, and so, to run on. Uh, well, 
what if we make it so that Ubers to the doctor's office are deductible and just <laughs> yeah. running on that forever? I, I know we're, we're wrapping up here, but that's exactly right, Felix. These people who come out and say a single pair wouldn't have worked are the exact same folks who sold out the AC while it was being formed. Mm-hmm. It's the Clintons. Yep. It's Larry Summers. It's the Emanuel brothers. It's Nier Tandon. It's all these fucking cowards who sought incremental progress in sort of, instead of the, the fucking full Monty. And now their program has collapsed. We must grind up their bones and use them to build the large single national single payer structure uh, and let their ghosts roam its hallways for all eternity. <laughs> Perez, we need you. Yeah. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, Faust Care. Woo! Everybody. Thanks, y'all. It's the original deal with the devil. In the United States Senate, Sanders has a single payer bill out with three co sponsors this time. Last time around, it was one. Yeah. That's literally uh, three times the amount of co sponsors. If he keeps. That's a 300% you know, increase. That in means that if he does this again. 99 co-sponsors. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. 90 yeah. co-sponsors, whatever. I don't care. Nine co-sponsors, but then it's 27 co-sponsors. Then, then, boys, Somewhere. he's got a majority. Uh, Three times 27, uh, yeah. <laughs> 60, plus 21, that's 81. 81 co-sponsors. By law, the co-sponsors have to vote for it. That beats a filibuster. <laughs> 81 votes for a single payer in five years when Bernie reintroduces the bill. Because in Trump's been, second term. In we'll Trump's second a term. A veto-proof majority. We're going to make sure that he gets. <laughs> Just like we make sure made sure that he got the first one. Guys, we're going to do it. Well, uh, like I said, it's all there. It's on the shelf. But uh, this country is so fucked up, it probably won't happen. But no. uh, <laughs> that's not to say, don't despair. Because, you know... We're on your side. Tim Faust is on your side. Tim, thanks so much again for joining us and breaking down all this complicated shit. My brain hurts yeah. listening to this. Thank you. Uh, I hope I hope it was helpful. Uh, I'm happy to... Uh, can you look at this, by the way? <laughs> Guys, till next time. Peace. Bye. 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 Bye.